Welcome back, everybody. NFL Friday, week 14 edition. Coming at you wherever you may be listening. We're glad you're with us. I'm Jimmy Sullivan, joined today by Andrew Galata. Good to be with you, and we've got a lot of stuff to get to, particularly in New York football. And I figured no better way to start than with the New York Jets because... Put simply, they are hilarious. In case you've been living under a rock, the Jets uh, lost Sunday's game to the Las Vegas Raiders on a last-second touchdown pass by Derek Carr to Henry Ruggs. Notable that the Jets sent an all-out blitz, leaving Ruggs one-on-one with Lamar Jackson, an undrafted corner. Andrew, I'm really happy that you're here today. (laughs) You are an outsider. You root for a team in the New Orleans Saints that wins. And maybe even more importantly, you know a thing or two about Greg Williams. So let me ask, what was going through your mind when you saw that final play of the game on Sunday with the Jets sending it all out blitz and Henry Ruggs beating one-on-one coverage downfield? I would say it's it's two things. It's here we go again, because I've seen it when Greg Williams was coaching for the black and gold, and it was just pure laughter. It's like, because with Greg Williams, look, first of all, the whole thing with the bounty scandal kind of messed up that Saints run. They won the Super Bowl in 2009, but they could have won a lot of more, in my opinion, in those next few years. They don't. And it was just like people were talking to me about like, oh, was that the Jets tanking? And I was like, no, that's Greg Williams being Greg Williams. He did it for the Saints in a playoff game. He sent an all out blitz in that Vernon Davis when he went off against the Saints. It was kind of the same thing. It was all-out blitz with like 30 seconds left, Alex Smith to Vernon Davis, and the Saints go home, and they're out of the playoffs. And he does this, to me, on a yearly basis, and it kind of puts some post-traumatic stress as a Saints fan when your team's up by like four or five with two minutes to go. It was funny, because in the moments after that happened, let me just tell you, okay, I'm a Jets fan, and my dad and I were in the room, and there's a small amount of happiness because nobody wants to go in 16, but there was that sense of dread. Like we're going to lose this game. I don't think the Jacksonville game had ended yet. So there was a little bit of hope there, but we're sitting there saying, okay, they're going to win. And we just won our way out of Trevor Lawrence pretty much. And, And then that play went up in the air. One heck of a moment. Let me tell you, it was really fun. Uh, one omission from this conversation that I failed to mention before, Greg Williams has since been fired. He got uh, KO'd on Monday morning, uh, thanks to Adam Gase, who made that decision. And uh, I can't think of anything more 2020 than getting fired by Adam Gase. But nonetheless, uh, the Jets now sitting at 0-12. And, and I was thinking in the moments after that, I said, oh, that has to be on purpose. Like somebody made the call in. And then... Uh, I saw a couple people tweet something to the effect of do not attribute to tanking what can be attributed to jets. And I think that's pretty much the main takeaway here, Andrew, is that people can say, Oh, well, they're purposely doing this. I don't know if the jets have the capabilities to do this on purpose. I don't know if they can see that far ahead. I feel like if they were doing it on purpose, they'd mess it up. Right. I think, I think that's kind of the thing. And it's just like, Again, I feel like even with those Saints defenses, when Craig Williams would put the all-out blitzes in and the Browns defenses did the same thing, at least they had some talent on the outside. There's an undrafted free agent out there. I mean, again, against a guy with Henry Ruggs who has 4-2 speed, to me it's like, what are you doing? It makes no sense. And it's like, yeah, maybe they were tanking, but I feel like that's just such a Greg Williams move. And, again, he lives and dies by it, and he died here, obviously. And – 
you were referencing Greg Williams' time with the Saints. He did a lot of this stuff. Dan Orlovsky, who's an analyst on ESPN, tweeted out a video breakdown of a game two years ago when Greg Williams was running the defense and also interim coaching the Cleveland Browns. And it was a similar situation. They were up one. I think they were playing Denver, if I'm not mistaken. And they were up one. And Denver only needs a field goal. They're at midfield. And Greg sends everybody. And this wasn't, you know, like this situation where you need a touchdown to win. Denver gets 15 yards there. They're bringing Brandon McManus out there and winning the game. It it was unbelievable. But he brought up a a very good point is that, again, people are trying to ascribe motives to this. How, How could this possibly happen? Andrew, I think a lot of it is just Greg Williams' ego. I think it's him sitting here saying, this is what I do. This is how I operate. We're going to call this come hell or high water. And there was a very revealing video that came out on Twitter the other day. It was Jets camp last year. Greg Williams is first as the defensive coordinator, and he's signing a football for some guy, maybe a kid. I don't know. And somebody asked him, hey, Greg, what's your favorite play? He goes, zero blitz. And Andrew, I think that's pretty much a perfect summation of how Greg Williams operated as a defensive coordinator and the reason why he may never be a defensive coordinator again, which was what he did on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, he's an all-or-nothing guy. I mean, that's all I can say. With his with his time with the Saints, you could say the same thing. And look, sometimes he gets all. I mean, the Saints did go to the Super Bowl with Greg Williams as their defensive coordinator, and they had they were number one in turnovers. It was all this great stuff. And then you get the nothing, and you get the worst defenses in the NFL, which what the Saints were for a few years. You get a lot of guys out of position, and you get – a ton of big plays and a lot of big plays at the end of games. And that's exactly what we saw here. And I could hundred percent relate to Jets fans after this game. And obviously not the 0 16 tanking, but losing a game on a zero blitz is it's not a first for Greg Williams. Let's just say that. Certainly not. And I think the conversation moves now to with the potential crisis of a win averted on Sunday against the Raiders. Looking at the rest of this Jets schedule, okay, they've got Seattle on Sunday. That's a get-well game for the Seahawks after they lost to the Giants. They will have two safeties active for that game against DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I I don't even know what to say to that. Then they've got the Rams. That's also on the road. I think that's a loss. Rams got a really good win over the Patriots on Thursday Night Football last night. They currently lead the NFC West. Then they've got the Browns, that's week 16, at home. That could be a trap game, depending on if the Browns have already clinched a playoff spot at that point. And Andrew, I think the best win for them on this schedule is the last game of the year at New England, the Patriots team that may well be out of it, particularly with how they looked last night. But Andrew, you're looking at this team. I'm looking at them the same way. Is there a win here? I think that's the question that Jets fans are asking because if they win, they might very well not have the number one pick with the way the Jaguars are going, playing Mike Glennon at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that Week 17 game, right? I mean, there's no other game on that schedule. They're not going out West and beating the Seahawks or beating the Rams. You know, those are playoff teams. And look, I guess you can kind of make the argument with the Raiders and they're a pretty good team. They're seven and five above average, I'd say, but those teams out West to me are built differently. I think they're great teams. So I don't think they win any of those games. Then you play Cleveland, which they're good. They're pretty good this year. Great defense. They're not winning that game. And then the week 17, that's really what it's going to be. And it'll be interesting. I guess Adam Gase will still be there and 
that's a kind of a big pride game playing the Patriots, obviously a big rivalry and they're maybe they're out of it. They're kind of checked out, but Belichick doesn't check out. I mean, I don't know. I don't see a win on the schedule. And I guess that means Trevor Lawrence. And again, I feel like that's great. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence, obviously once in a, people are saying once in a generational talent, but he just went 0 16. That's a tough pill to swallow in my opinion. Certainly is. And the, the frustrating thing is, I don't think they're as bad as the Lions in 08 or the Browns in 2017. Like, there's talent here. I mean, Sam Darnold shows you flashes of brilliance. He also shows you flashes of abject stupidity, and that has to be acknowledged as well. I mean, you've got young receivers in you know, Denzel Mims, who's shown some promise, but hasn't really got off the ground this year. And, you know, you've got guys on defense who I think you'll like. Marcus May is a really good potential cornerstone of that defense. Quentin Williams has really emerged this year. That's the frustrating thing to me is that like there's talent on this roster, but it's just, it's just not manifesting itself uh, at all. And and that's, I think the frustrating thing for Jets fans. One final note before we move this conversation on to happier subjects. Um, One of the reasons I read, I don't remember who reported it, that the Jets have not yet fired Adam Gase and read into this, whatever you will is that they don't have anyone on staff, particularly now that Greg Williams is gone, who could be the interim coach. The only guy, the only guy who has any interim coaching experience on this staff, you're going to like this one, is Joe Vitt, <laughs> who is his father-in-law. Andrew, I don't, I don't even know what to say. I honestly oh, don't. boy. You're really bringing it back to that. Just like the only year in the Saints, 2012, when they didn't have Sean Payton, you're bringing it back to all the dysfunction. I didn't realize they're all in the Jets now. I mean, that kind of makes some sense now. Obviously, Adam Gase would be the ones to bring on that 2012 Bounty Gates scandal. <laughs> oh, my God. That's that's crazy. I didn't actually know Joe Vitt was the coach with the Jets. Yeah, that, he, yeah oh he's, he's there. He's just there. Yeah. I don't even know what he does. He's just there. <laughs> Oh my, that's, that's, that's really funny, actually. I mean, look, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I guess I'd rather have Adam Gase than Joe Vitt, but I'm pretty sure even Joe Vitt won a few games. And obviously Drew Brees was that quarterback. And that just shows you Drew Brees got that team to seven and nine, which just tells you how good he was in his prime. But, oh yeah, that, that probably says a lot. That's probably why Adam Gase is still here. That also tells me that Adam Gase is uniquely engineered to get this team down in 16. As much as I hate to say it, like this is, this is your guy. If you want to lose the rest of the way, this is your guy. And I think they're probably clear to at least week 16, if not week 17. All right. We're done with the Jets. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> Let's move on to the other New York team, which is very much alive for a playoff spot at five and seven. That is the New York Giants coming off a great win on Sunday in Seattle. Colt McCoy, backup quarterback. Able to get the victory, Giants defense holds an explosive Seattle offense to 10 points if you take out the Seahawks safety. Andrew, i got to give you a lot of credit. We did a one-on-one in early October, and you somewhat at least called this one. You said that the Giants were going to be playing a lot better at the end of the season than they were at the beginning. That is manifested. I don't know if any of us thought they would be winning the NFC East right now, but 5-7, and seven, owning the tiebreaker over the football team, and Andrew, we're sitting here talking about them now. They take care of business the rest of the way. Not only are they going to be playing well, they're going to be going to the playoffs and hosting a playoff game. Yeah, I mean, look, they've now they just control their own path, which who would have thought a 5-17 and 17 controls their own path? But nonetheless, their defense to me is playing really good football. 
I mean, what they did last week was just outstanding. And you look at what they're doing with Blake Martinez, James Bradbury, former Jet Leonard Williams, which seems like the, the Giants definitely won that trade. I mean, it just seems right now when you're when you're looking at this Giants team, it's really the fighting Joe Judges. I think that's the big thing for the Giants. I mean, look, I mean, they got a really good head coach, and that's what I was banking on back when we were talking about them in probably October, maybe even earlier. It was this guy can coach, and I love Patrick Graham, their defensive coordinator. The offense is still, I think, getting worked out, and I think it may take some time. I mean, honestly, I think Colt McCoy may be – I don't want to say a better option because Daniel Jones is playing better of late. But Colt McCoy hangs on to the football. He's not going to make those big, just big mistakes like Daniel Jones may. And he's not going to lose you games. He's not going to win you games. But I don't think he's going to lose you games either. It's going to be interesting. And they play the Cardinals this week, which is a winnable game. It's going to be very interesting to see how this Giants team finishes. Yeah, Colt McCoy did throw an interception on Sunday. Not really his fault. It went off the hands of Evan Ingram. Seems Mm -hmm. like we're talking about that once or twice a week. That being said, um, Dave Gettleman, yes, deserves some credit for the roster construction, but a lot of this, a lot of this is Joe Judge. And I'll freely admit, I was extremely skeptical of that hire when the Giants made it. I was just sitting there saying, like, this guy hasn't even really had experience as a coordinator. Like, you know, he's coming out with these, like, corny cliches left and right. What does this guy bring to the table? But it's obvious when you see how he interacts with the guys in that locker room, from what we are able to glean from the outside, they love him. They play really hard for him. And that goes a long way for this Giants team. And look, they, even earlier in the season, we were saying, look, this team's competitive. Like they're hanging in a lot of these games. And the games are, don't get me wrong, not blowouts that they've been playing recently. But they're on the other side of those now. They're actually winning some of these close games. And Andrew, I think it's just really impressive to see how hard they've been playing for Joe Judge, what they're willing to put on the line, and the results that they are finally getting out of it. Yeah, I think that shows a lot on defense. And I'm going to keep on harking back to that because usually, I mean, offenses, yeah, you can play hard for a guy, but there are a lot of execution things. But on defense, if you're motivated, that's like 50% of the battle. And they're doing that right now. And Look, I mean, besides, they definitely have a few solid players that you give it to Dave Gettleman for acquiring, but it's a lot of guys that either didn't have a lot of success beforehand or coming on, just coming onto the scene, and that has a lot to do with coaching. And, again, this team, they're a team, if they sneak into the playoffs and get a home playoff game, they play good defense. They just beat Seattle on the road, which, I mean, Seattle, I think, isn't as good as people think they are, but they still got Russell Wilson, which is, to me, a top-three QB in this league, so – Again, I feel like this Giants team, it's going to be close to see them and Washington, because I also really like Washington, too. What they're doing on defense with Chase Young, they also have a really good defense. And to me, it may come down to the quarterback position. I'm a big fan of Alex Smith to see if he can just handle that team and you know get them to get the offense to score some points and help the defense and play complimentary football. I don't know how much Daniel Jones can do that or Colt McCoy, but Again, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how this race ends up and maybe it's not going to be this just like let's see who loses less. Maybe it's going to be a nice finish. I mean, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, and it's interesting you bring that up because the Giants winning in Seattle, Washington winning in Pittsburgh. Those are two wins that we were not banking on at the start of the week. We thought everyone in the NFC East was going to lose. Eagles and Cowboys followed through on that as we expected. Uh, Giants go out, get a win. Washington goes out, gets a win. And look, I mean, maybe it 
actually does come down to winning a few games here. Maybe somebody does get to seven and nine. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it a little later. The Giants are playing Arizona this week. Could be a winnable game the way Kyler Murray has been playing the last couple of weeks. And look, I, the thing is, you know, Giants have the tiebreaker, obviously, over Washington. So you know, Washington would have to have a better record than the, the Giants to make the playoffs, basically. I think we're pretty much counting on Philadelphia and Dallas probably being out of it at this point. Um, you can't really <laughs> mark anybody out of it in the NFCs, but they're pretty close. Looking at Washington's schedule, they've got the Niners this week, Seahawks week after, then the Panthers and the Eagles to close out the season. That's a hard schedule. I do like what they are doing a lot as well. Andrew, I don't know how you feel, though. I think the Giants are the favorites right now. And whatever that's worth, 6-10, and 7-9, whatever it winds up being, I think this Giants team has to feel really good about where they're at right now. Yeah, I mean, to me, they're they're definitely the favorites. To me, they're playing the best football. And, I mean, I, I guess maybe Washington's starting to to do that. They just beat the undefeated Steelers. So you got to give them a ton of credit there. But, again, I think the tiebreaker is the big kind of difference maker when you talk about these two teams. And I, I do feel like that the Giants may get to seven wins, which may have sounded like a Herculean effort maybe just a few weeks ago. I mean, I feel like this is a winnable game. That game against the Cowboys is winnable. And there you are at seven wins. The Redskins, uh, excuse me, Washington football team also has um, some winnable games as well. They they play the 49ers, they play um, the Eagles. So those are winnable games as well. It's going to be very close. I, I feel like probably because of the tiebreaker, you got to give the favor to the Giants. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into the, the other stuff in the NFC East. I, I want to just read you a sentence uh, that was real this week. And it's from the Cleveland Browns Twitter account. And it says, our week 15 game against the Giants has been flexed from 1 p.m. to 8.20 p.m. Like, what would you have told me at the beginning of the season if Browns-Giants was a week 15 Sunday Night Football game? And then didn't the, uh, the Cowboys were the team that got flexed out? Yes. Right? They got flexed to 1 o'clock. Oh, my God. That's the biggest 2020 thing. <laughs> that was I mean, America's team goes out and uh, the, the Browns go in. I think that's a uh... – Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I'm irrationally mad at the Cowboys because they gave up this walk-in touchdown to J.K. Dobbins on Tuesday night that lost me my fantasy matchup. And I'm still mad about that, even though I'm still in the playoffs. But, hey, who cares? Uh, but, yeah, Dallas Dallas, Dallas is an embarrassment. That's just – I just needed to say that. Like, Dallas – oh, my gosh. Yeah. But back to the Giants now. Back, back to better things. You talked about their defense. And – Patrick Graham could make an argument for being the coordinator of the year. The way he's turned around this defense, Leonard Williams looks like a beast. Jabril Peppers is running around in coverage. They've got, you know, all these kind of misfit pieces. You know, Blake Martinez might be out this week. They've got this like assortment of guys that really should not work together. And yet here they are, here he is running one of the best units in the NFL, they just held down one of the most explosive offenses in football in Seattle. And, Andrew, I think this is a guy that, you know, not only deserves a ton of credit for the Giants, I think he, sh- he might be getting some head coaching looks maybe even as soon as this year, crazy as that might sound. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's look, his scheme is really good. I mean, he's got a really nice scheme there. And I wouldn't be surprised if a team says, look, look what he did with this talent. Not a lot of talent. What if he could do that with us? 
I mean, I can see, and I, I think also that Joe Judge kind of let's get our players to play for us. I think that's the same with Patrick Graham. So if some team wants to maybe copy the Giants and try to do the similar things and kind of go maybe accelerate a rebuild, he could definitely be a guy. And I feel like that just shows good coaching, especially on defense. His scheme is it's almost plug and play. Like you said that Blake Martinez may be out. Is that even that much of a big of a deal to just all these just plug and play? Let's have our scheme win games. And they're doing that right now. And that's what the best teams do. So that's to me with the Giants really, really important. Definitely. And, you know, again, I, I go back to the point. I know I said it before. I don't know how you felt when Joe Judge was hired. I just wasn't feeling it. I was, I was a wait to be seen. That's what I say a lot about these young guys. Cause I've never seen him coach. And you talk about how he wasn't, he was a special teams coordinator, but he wasn't like an offensive defensive coordinator guy. But I, I believe there are a few head coaches that were uh, special teams coordinators. I think one of the Harbaugh's was, I mean, so it's definitely like in the the DNA, but you don't know anything about them. And you're like, mm, so they went with more of like a known candidate, especially with a young team. It's, I was just up in the air about it. Like I, I could have seen it going either way. And then once I started seeing them play for him and really just be close in games, I was like, this guy's, this guy's good. And they'll get the talent there eventually. Yeah. And yeah, you looked at the early season schedule and it was like every game was tight and they were playing good teams, you know, Rams, Buccaneers, uh, and, and those games now finally, finally turning around for the New York football giants. And, it's crazy to think about the Giants as well, that you have Daniel Jones. If he comes back this week, he is the best active quarterback in the NFC East, I think. I think there's an argument to be made for that. With Dak Prescott out, Daniel Jones is probably the guy you would trust the most in this division. Again, another thing, if you told me that at the beginning of the season, I would have said you were crazy. Yeah, similar Alex Smith, which you'd probably say is even more crazier. That would be him or Alex Smith. And I feel like good Daniel Jones, if he's playing like he did before he got hurt, yeah, for sure. I just, let's see how he comes back from that injury, and then I'll be able to say, yeah, he's the best. If, if we're getting the Daniel Jones from two weeks ago, and he's fine, and the hamstring injury is no big deal, I think that, yeah, he is the best. I mean, you have to say that because, ugh, I mean, when you're looking at the rest of these QBs, you have Jalen Hurts and um, Andy Dalton right now. I mean, and then Alex Smith, who's coming off this huge injury. Yeah, I mean, which is just crazy to think about that Daniel Jones would be the best QB in a division, but that's just the NFC East this year. Certainly is. And Daniel Jones at this moment, questionable for Sunday. He was a full participant in practice today. So before we wrap up the Giants talk, start getting to the picks here. Arizona comes in, coming in for a one o'clock game from the West Coast. And they lost last week to the Rams. They've been reeling a little bit. And they're fighting for their playoff lives as well, currently out of the playoffs. They're in the eight or nine spot, which is no good. Giants coming in riding high. Andrew, as you look at this game, what are you thinking the Giants could do here to maybe even possibly further their playoff hopes, which they could very well do with a win on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, it's going to – be a battle. It's going to be really close, in my opinion. That's just the games that they're going to play, especially uh, we've been seeing they've been on the losing end. Now they're on the winning end. It's going to be a close game. It's uh, to me like this is a must win game, though, for Arizona. They're coming in here and they have to win this game because if they lose, they're under 500 and they got a tough schedule because they got to play their division still and a few tough games down the stretch. So this is a must win game for them. Again, it's going to be interesting. They're traveling to the east, which is going to be hard for them, but 
their motivation will be there because they have to win this game. And you could probably say the same thing about the Giants. To me, this will be, to me, a, a good game, a very entertaining game, and I, I'm excited to see it. I certainly am as well. And if you look at Kyler Murray, the quarterback of the Cardinals, he took a hit on Thursday night football. They were playing Seattle. And they drove his shoulder into the ground. It was a tough hit. Two full games since then, against New England, against the Rams, he's thrown for a combined 343 yards. Uh, he's thrown three TDs, two picks. Yards per attempt, just over 4.7. Uh, a far cry from the guy who we were talking about as an MVP candidate entering that game. So as I look at this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out and say it. Not only do you go into this game, if you're the Giants, thinking we've got a shot at this, I think you feel like this is a game you should win. And look, I know Arizona is a solid team. I picked them to go to the playoffs before the season. But they have hit roadblocks here. And if Kyler Murray is going to be the Kyler Murray we've seen in the last two weeks, Giants should be able to contain that, and I think I think their offense can probably do just enough, and I think they get the victory. That's how I'm looking at this game as we go in here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really it's interesting because, look, you, you could definitely say that you just played, a, to me, a similar QB with Russell Wilson, a better QB, you know, with plays similar styles, throws the ball deep, mobile, and they stopped him, you know, 10 points. You could say something very similar. They should definitely like, stop him to 10 points, 12 points. That's hard, though. And also, when you're looking at stopping DeAndre Hopkins, stopping Kyler Murray, I know he hasn't played well, but you can get an amazing game out of him. It's going to be really close. And uh, again, I, honestly, I don't even know who I'm still going to pick. I'm still going between these two teams right now. All right. Well, you have a little time to decide. Not a lot, but a little. <laughs> because we are now going to get into at least my favorite segment of the week. And that is our Pick'em segment. It's my favorite segment. It's also the most dangerous. <laughs> Let's start with the 1 o'clock games on Sunday afternoon. We're going with a mildly intriguing one from Soldier Field. Texans at Bears. Houston enters a slight favorite. The Bears with that just horrible loss last week against Detroit. I'm going to take the Texans like the way Houston's been playing under Romeo Cornell. I think they go in and get the victory. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the Bears right now, they look like they almost checked out. And when you know when their defense gave up 34 points to the Lions, it feels like they checked out. And I'll take Deshaun Watson right now any day. He's playing great football. You're taking Deshaun Watson over the middle of I suppose you are. I suppose I am, too. Cowboys at Bengals. Uh, this, this one is not mildly intriguing, to be quite frank. Uh, Cowboys at 3-9, and nine, Bengals 2-9-1. I suppose somebody's got to win. Andrew, who's it going to be for you? I'll go with the better back of quarterback and Andy Dalton in this one, but, yeah, it's probably not going to be a clean game, to say the least. Probably very ugly, probably low scoring, but I think Andy Dalton, the better back of quarterback, gets it done here. You know, the Bengals have played two competitive games the last couple of weeks against playoff teams with Brandon Allen back there. The Cowboys, man, the Cowboys look checked out. Like, you could just see it against Baltimore the other night. Let's do it. I'm going to take the Bengals. <laughs> Chiefs at Dolphins matchup of two playoff teams. Could potentially be a uh, first-round playoff matchup, depending on how the seedings uh, 
work themselves out here. Chiefs are 11 and 1. Broncos took them to the wall on Sunday night. Miami comes in off the win against Cincinnati. I will go first. I like the Chiefs in this one. It's a bounce back game for them. We'll say though, I think Dolphins match up pretty well here. Uh, the spread is seven and a half. I could see Miami covering that, but I think the Chiefs got it. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to take the Chiefs, but I think it will be closer than people expect because the Dolphins team do match up well. I mean, they have some good corners, they have a really good secondary, and the Chiefs don't run the ball particularly well, and that's really the only kind of area where the Dolphins do struggle on both sides of the ball, to be honest. But uh, look, I'm not getting, not betting against Patrick Mahomes right now, especially against this Dolphins team, and again, especially if they get into a shootout with two of them, just uh, I'll take Patrick Mahomes. Back. Yeah, I think you have to. So. Both going with the Chiefs there. The game we just talked about, Cardinals, Giants. I already made my pick. I like Big Blue heading into this game. Prisoner of the moment. I'll probably be wrong on that. But I'm going with the Giants. Yeah, um, I, I told you guys about a minute ago, I was toss-up, and it still is a toss-up to my mind. I'm going to take the Cardinals because I think they need this game. I, I think they 100% need this game, and I'm a believer in what they can do. I like Kyler Murray a lot, and... I feel like they're going to end up making the playoffs. So to make the playoffs, they're going to have to win this game. So I'll take the Cardinals. James Bradbury will probably be covering DeAndre Hopkins in this game. That's going to be a really good matchup after what he was able to do against DK Metcalf on Sunday. All right, another good 1 o'clock game here. Minnesota at Tampa Bay. Vikings just beat the Jaguars in OT. Tampa Bay is coming off its bye. An intriguing game here, Andrew, for a number of reasons. I'll let you go first. Yeah, I'm going to take the Bucks because this matchup right now, when you're looking at these two teams, especially on with the Vikings on offense, Tampa Bay on defense, the Vikings are, their offense runs on Dalvin Cook. You know, if Dalvin Cook's going, they're going. And Tampa Bay's coming in with the best rush defense, and I think they'll be able to stop Dalvin Cook or at least contain Dalvin Cook and then get this win. I'm going to go with Tampa Bay, too, and... Hey, I was watching the second half of their game against Kansas City, which is two weeks ago now. If Tom Brady and Bruce Arians, who are two extraordinarily hard-headed individuals, ever meet in the middle, this offense could take off. I really believe that. I mean, you've got Mike Evans, who's a very good red zone threat. Antonio Brown's in that offense. Chris Godwin's a really good receiver. Rob Gronkowski is still very capable of being productive. Um... You know, Ronald Jones is a really good running back. They really don't run the ball uh, often enough. I think if they could ever come together, they've got a legitimate shot to run through the NFC. But, of course, the question is, do they ever come together? With Bruce Arians publicly taking pot shots at his quarterback, not entirely sure that that's going to happen. Anyway, that's a very long-winded way of saying I'm taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Minnesota currently in the playoffs, by the way. That's a fun fact, or maybe not so fun. Uh, moving right along here, Broncos at Panthers matchup of four and eight teams in Carolina. I'm going to take the Panthers. No Christian McCaffrey for them this week. But Broncos coming in off a good performance on Sunday night, but still a loss, and I like uh, what Carolina's been able to do this year. They've been very competitive, and I think building a good foundation under Matt Rule. I like the Panthers. Yeah, I, I agree. I'll take Carolina as well. I, I love what they're doing with Matt Rule, and then also Teddy Bridgewater, who, former Saint, really rooting for him. It stinks that he's in the division, but again, he's 
won the Saints five, six games, and honestly, uh, look, you're rooting for him, and it's uh, me, good, good guy, and we'll see what they were, they'll do in the future. But right now, Carolina wins this game. All right, moving right along. Last one o'clock game we've got for you here: Titans at Jaguars, featuring the number seven quarterback in fantasy football, Ryan Tannehill, of course. Uh, why do I know that? You might ask. Well, you know why. Nonetheless, I'll make this easy on you, Andrew. I'm going to take the Titans. Like that offense, I think Derrick Henry is going to have a huge day on Sunday against that Jacksonville front. Yep, I completely agree. I mean, they should be able to win this one. But Jacksonville actually has played close with some teams, so maybe that game will be a little closer. But I'll still take Tennessee. They should be able to run through Jacksonville. That game in Jacksonville, Jaguars 1-11, Tennessee 8-4, and in first place in the AFC South. All right, let's start the 4 o'clock games here. We talked about it before. Jets, Seahawks. Seahawks are going to win. It's not going to be close. This is a get-well game for them. They have an innate ability to play exactly to the level of their competition. I think they can suspend that for one week uh, because what even is the Jets' competition anyway? Give me the Seahawks and give me the Seahawks by a lot. Yep, I agree. I, I feel like, especially like after the Jets got really close, I feel like they're probably not going to do that again for a few weeks. So I'll take the Seahawks to, to cover this one and win by a lot. It was really funny. They were talking about the Jets players after that game on Sunday. It's like, oh, they're heartbroken. They feel like it was ripped away from them. You know what? Good. Because <laughs> if that's if that's how they feel, then you know what? Go do it four more times. Okay? <laughs> that's where I'm at right now. So we're both riding the Seahawks here. No surprise there. Really intriguing 4 o'clock game here. This is, in part, probably a matchup for the last spot in the playoffs. Colts at Raiders in Vegas. Raiders, as we all know, got away with one last week against the Jets. Colts also, to an extent, got away with one against Houston. They were able to make a goal line stand and win that game. I'll be honest with you, Andrew. I'm still uh, trying to figure my way through this one. So I'll let you go first. I'm really high on the Raiders. I know they haven't played well the last two weeks, but... I like uh, I like them at home. I, I think they're going to win this game. I, I really like what they're doing. Well, it'd be interesting to see if Josh Jacobs play. If he doesn't play, it's going to be interesting to maybe they don't win. But with Josh Jacobs, the way they run the football, they play really good complementary football when Josh Jacobs is running the football well. And ever, ever since they did it week two to the Saints, I really like them. So I'm going to pick them if Josh Jacobs plays. I, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, if he does, but uh, if he plays, I'll take the Raiders. If not, then it'll be, I think, closer, and I'll take the Colts. So to me, I think Josh Jacobs is the difference here. Yeah, this, this is a really interesting matchup. I, I, the one thing I can't get out of my head, and the reason why I'm going to pick the Colts, is that you know the Raiders allowed Ty Johnson and the like to run for almost 200 yards last week. And we see that with the Colts. They got a great offensive line and a number of running backs who can handle the football really well. You know, Jonathan Taylor is a guy I love as a Wisconsin fan. Uh, I'm going to take Indianapolis. And I'm going to take Indianapolis, I think, either way. Um, To me, the running game for, like, the run defense for the Raiders, it's bad. And to me, their whole defense isn't very good. But I think with Josh Jacobs in there, they're able to play keep away really well, in my opinion. And we'll see if he plays or not. But if he doesn't and they can't play keep away, it's going to be a huge game for the Colts there. So, again, to me, he's the the, the X-Factor here. Uh, moving right along here, and I agree with you, they're going to have to play keep away on Sunday. Packers at Lions. 
interesting game. Lions are just one and four at home. That's, that just came up on my screen. That's interesting. Packers coming at nine and three. They beat the Eagles last week. Some would argue quarterbackless Eagles. Um, that being said, uh, Andrew, who do you like in this one? Right now, I'm feeling I think Green Bay's going to win this game, and I think that division game. I think it's going to be closer. And just as a team that I feel like as a Saints fan, they're always rooting against Green Bay to try to get a bye or something, doing it here again. I would love to see the Lions win this one. But usually the Lions come out, they start playing well, they have like a lead going into halftime, and then they fall apart. Aaron Rodgers comes back, and it's like a two-minute drill, and Rodgers wins the game. I think a similar scenario happens in this one. I think it will be high scoring, but uh, Packers get it done. This is going to be my upset this week. I'm going to take Detroit. and I'm rooting for them. It's interesting because they, they so openly despised Matt Patricia over there, right? Like, they they hated him. They, they must have been so happy when he was gone. And look, they didn't play great last week. They were able to walk out of there with a win. But on the low, the Lions right now are 5-7. and seven. They get a win. And the Giants beat the Cardinals. And you get Minnesota losing to Tampa Bay. All of a sudden, things are very interesting for the Detroit Lions. I'm not saying they're going to make it, okay? I, I don't want any responsibility attributed to me on this. All I'm saying is they've got a shot, and I'm going to go and take the Detroit Lions in an upset. All right, Andrew, here's one close to your heart. Saints at Eagles. First career start for Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. Saints currently the number one seed in the NFC. Yeah, uh, I'm going to take the Saints in this one, as I bet a lot of people would think. I think, look, obviously they're the favorites. And the one interesting stat that I do want to bring up, it seems like Taysom Hill is going to start off this game for the Saints, or start this game for the Saints. And now he's played four weeks. And you would think that a guy that's only started four games every game, there would be a quarterback that's started more games than him. And now this is the second time where you get a quarterback with less starts than Taysom Hill, which to me is really interesting because Jalen Hurts and obviously the whole quarterback debacle when they played Denver. So I'll take the Saints in this one. I think they're going to be able to contain Jalen Hurts. That defense is playing so good, and it's so nice to see them starting to play well. I think Taysom does enough on offense when the Saints get this win. Doug Peterson said a few weeks ago, they asked him about benching Carson Wentz, putting in Jalen Hurts. He said, no, I don't want to do that because if I do, I'm signaling to the players and the fans that the season is over. What I'm sitting here and saying right now is the season is over. Give me the Saints. Uh, I like the, them to win this one convincingly. I think Jalen Hurts could be a shot in the arm for a little bit, but the Eagles just have such deep-seated issues offensively that I don't think he alone is going to be able to help them here. Falcons at Chargers, 4-8 against 3-9. and nine. The Chargers just had an unconscio- unconscionable loss Excuse me, to the New England Patriots. They lost 45 Nothing, Andrew, how are you looking at this one? I got Atlanta right now. They they think they always play at least close football games. They're definitely not checked out. And I think under Raheem Morris, they're playing better. And uh, right now the Chargers, they look checked out, in my opinion. And I feel like even at home, I don't think they win this game. So I'll take the Falcons. Yeah, I am as well. And I think Raheem Morris should get some real consideration for this head coaching job uh, when the interviews come up in the offseason. I think the distinction with this game is that the Falcons have already fired everyone and the Chargers need to. And I think that's where we're at right now. But I like the Falcons. Really like the way they've been playing. Even the games they've lost have not necessarily been bad losses. Closing out the 4 o'clock window here. 
Football team at the 49ers matchup of five and seven teams. Two teams that probably need a win pretty badly here this week. And I'll let you go first. This is an interesting game to me. I'm not sure. This game's in Arizona, by the way. I should mention that as well. Yeah, I mean, so like, even though the 49ers are at home, do they still take a home field advantage now? Washington is traveling cross country. I guess that has something to do with it. But it's almost like both teams are playing on the road in this one. I mean, this is going to be close. I like how Washington's playing, so I'm going to take Washington. And right now, Alex Smith, what he's doing is just, as a football fan, you're, you're rooting for him because he's a guy that I feel like even though he was a number one pick, he's always been an underdog, which is kind of interesting. And I'm rooting for him, and I think they get this win. Yeah, this is a fascinating game, I and mean, it's two teams that kind of need it. And, you know, you, you watch the, the 49ers on Monday night. They didn't look particularly good against Buffalo. They gave up a lot of yards. Josh Allen card for them. Josh Allen looks fantastic. We'll talk about that more with the next game we're picking. I'm going to hesitantly take the 49ers in this one. Yes, a backup quarterback in Nick Mullins. Yes, going up against a really, really good defense in Washington. But, yeah, I don't know. I there's still something about the 49ers that makes them difficult to play. Their defense is punching way above its weight right now with all the injuries. But I, I still think I think it'll be a low-scoring game. I'm going to take the 49ers in a close one here. This game could really go either way, honestly. Let's move over to the Sunday night game. This is a really good one. I'm really looking forward to this, Andrew. Steelers at Bills in Buffalo. Bills open as a slight favorite. I'll go first on this one. I did not like the way the Steelers played the other day, and I haven't liked the way the Steelers have played for a couple of weeks now, and part of that is COVID and their schedule reshuffled. I think that has to be taken into account. But the way Josh Allen looked on Monday night, uh, he was left and right making the right reads and just cutting up a, a good 49ers defense. Love the way Buffalo's playing. Love what they're doing up there. Give me the Buffalo Bills to circle the wagons and get the victory on Sunday night. Yeah, I'm going to take the Bills, too. I really like how they're playing right now, and I'm not sold on Pittsburgh yet. And I think of late, they haven't been playing well. And I think that loss is going to maybe demoralize them a bit because losing to a Washington team, an under-500 team, again, and I'm really liking how Josh Allen's playing. He's just slinging it all around, doing some really great things, and they can score with the best of them, and I think they'll be able to score on this good Pittsburgh defense, and I think they got the win at home. Another good primetime game to close out the week. Ravens at Browns. Each team coming off of a win this week. Andrew, I will let you go first on this one. Browns are basically in the playoffs right now, which is crazy to say. Ravens are still fighting to get back in. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Browns here. And I think this is the first time that, like, in a really close game, I'm actually going to pick the Browns, which to me I think shows something about their team. I think... They can run the ball with anyone, and I think especially setting up for games in January, for them in the playoffs, you got to run the football, and they're running it really good. And if you can win games in the trenches, and I think they're going to win this game in the trenches, they can also stop the run well. I feel like they got this win. Yeah, it's so interesting. Um, you know, I, I've kind of been baited into picking the Browns earlier this season. At times I shouldn't have, and then I went away from them at times I should have. Um the way they started that game against Tennessee was really impressive on Sunday, but Tennessee kind of you know, gave them some spots, right? Like Baker Mayfield's receivers have a ton of separation. I think that's absolutely part of it. I'm going to take Baltimore in this. I, I just think Baltimore needs this game a lot more, and I think psychologically sometimes, like, this is the type of thing that can happen where, where if Baltimore loses this game, they're probably done. 
if the Browns lose this game, they're talking about maybe going from, what, the five seed to the six seed. So it's not nearly as big of a game. Although, I mean, you definitely don't want to lose, um, particularly you know, down the stretch. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go with the Ravens on this one just for pure necessity and what they need to do in order to make the playoffs. But with that being said, that just about does it for us. For my partner, Andrew Galata, our producer, Mike Messina, keeping us on air here on NFL Friday. I'm Jimmy Sullivan. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.